Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to Klezmer Podcast 61 for Tuesday, February 16th, 2010. The website is klezmerpodcast.com, and you can write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. My guests on this episode of the podcast are accordionist Sergio Popa and violinist Jessica Gall, musicians from Montreal that I met at Klez Canada this past summer. Sergio is originally from Keshenev in Moldova, and Jessica, a Montreal native. And they're making some great music together these days. I'm going to start things off with a solo accordion song by Sergio just to give you an idea of the style of accordion that he plays. And then we'll have the interview with Sergio and Jessica together that I recorded on August 28, 2009. Following that, we'll hear a duet with Sergio on accordion and Jessica on violin, recorded at uh, one of the Klez Cabaret evenings at Klez Canada. Acoustics aren't so great on that recording. Uh, as anybody that's been to Klez Canada knows, that uh, room is pretty bad for acoustics, but I think uh, you'll get a really good idea of the type of music that they play. So here we go with Sergio Popa and Jessica Gall. So uh, what, what song is this and, and what's the origination? I uh, I don't remember the, the the name, but my dad used to say that it's Romanian. Uh, might be a Romanian Jewish or Moldavian. I have a feeling more that it's Romanian uh, Klezmer song. I uh, used to play when I was like really small, like in ages, uh, he used to play this one. I know A and B part, but C somehow got lost as usual. But <laughs> if I give him a call now through Skype or through something, he will uh, gonna remember this and he'll be more than happy. But for now, I'll uh, play you my version. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hi, this is Keith with Klezmer Podcast at Klez Canada 2009, and very pleased now to be visiting with Sergio Popa, a wonderful accordion player, originally from Moldova and now living in, in Montreal. Uh, Sergio, welcome to Klezmer Podcast. Very happy to have you. Thank you very much for having here and in general for discovering Klez Canada. I, I knew it for a few years, and I said, well, maybe one day I'll have the chance to get in here and the uh, that is, was an experience for a few days. I met so many people and uh, friends and uh, to, dis- to rediscover the roots and uh, to talk about this style, which is a bit lost here in North America, and to bring it back and to pass to the new generation. It's a very nice style. And uh, even the language itself and Yiddish and all this culture to be passed to the newer generation. And uh, thank you very much for having uh, me here. I uh, I live in Montreal now since 2002. Uh, do full-time music, specialized in uh, Eastern European styles, especially Gypsy. But very familiar with the klezmer music because, especially my dad, I'm uh, I'm the third or the fourth generation of accordion uh, of music in my family. My cousins, my family, everybody played. And my dad played this as um, a lot of musicians here at his age, they know this style. He played when I was young then, and he said, well, learn this style, learn this stuff. And as we know, the teenagers, they are never compatible with their parents' (laughs) generation. And we said, well, no, I don't like this, I don't want this. Then he said, well, you're going to need this. And... uh, Parents, they all the time right, you know. They might be wrong at that moment when we think, but in the long term, they are right. And, uh, yeah, uh, I didn't lose actually much because I grew up with that music, but I didn't play and stays in my back, my behind of my head. And when I meet people here like uh, Peter Sokolow, like uh, I don't know which other names, I they don't come mm-hmm. out of my mind. There's a lot of names here. I just remind myself the music, which is in there, but I never played or practiced and there is nice melodies in there and doesn't matter which style you do even if you do rock or hard rock you still can use uh, these melodies and you can you can do so much out of these melodies because they're so melodic they lived through so many pain and suffering and uh, and joy and uh, different parts of our life and um, as we say, even our uh, kids or the young generation, they are not interested in this. They should just pay attention, more attention to it, and they could use this in the future for any purpose, any style of music, even in Jamaican or reggae, <laughs> anything you can do with uh, uh, Jewish music, klezmer music. And in general, music from Eastern Europe, which was affected by Jews and by uh, Roma people, Gypsy people, as I said. So, so what... Um ethnic background or is your family uh the, and but you had to learn all the, all these different styles of music right my dad is a uh, rom he comes from a romani family gypsy and my mom is moldavian she was born there middle class i would say close to middle class working people and my dad 
didn't know any pain in his life. He just played the whole his life accordion. He was lucky to meet my mom to help him. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, um, uh, we grew up with this style, as I said. And uh, uh, in Moldova, uh, this is a very interesting subject because North American people, they sometimes some of them they wouldn't know even what is this. Um, where is situated because it's so tiny, so small. Long ago it used to be Bessarabia, was a much bigger region, part of Romania was though. Then, as we know in the history, Russia took apart and so on and so on. But not to go deeper in the history, I want to talk about the music because that part, the Eastern Europe and Balkan, this was like a big, big channel uh, or a tunnel or a passage where a lot of wars happened in there. A lot of uh, waves, migration passed uh, back and forth, and this affected the people, music, food, everything, how they look and how they think, and they have a very, very strong culture in there. And in Moldova, especially, if more and more researchers would go to Moldova to study, I mean, to bring uh, information here in North America, what was interesting, because they border a culture where even if you play folk music, still you had to be classically trained, which is very interesting. There is few countries in Eastern Europe who do this. Hungary, Moldova, um, a bit ex-Yugoslavia, and pretty much that's it. Maybe Russia, but gen especially Moldova, uh, you will arrive say, I play all this folk music by ear, and they say, I don't care. Uh, or uh, <laughs> I play uh, this, they say, no. You have to finish conservatory, you have to have classical background in order we to accept you which here they say it's a bit ridiculous, you play by ear, and so they require this. And besides this, on each part or on each wedding, there is uh, long ago used to be bigger uh, Jewish community there. Uh, there is R Roma community, Gypsy community. Uh, there is um, uh, Turkish, which we call Gagawuz, which they remain after the, the, the Ottoman Empire. Uh, there is Bulgarians, there is uh, quite uh, nationalities, there are Russians, Ukrainians, and uh, all this mixed up. And when you arrive to a wedding or to a party, you must play Moldavian tune, you must play a Jewish tune, uh, you must play a Bulgarian, you must play a Serbian, a Hungarian. So I would say, in a way, Moldavians suffered, but they have nice music. Because why they suffered? Because there is countries like Bulgaria, that you'll go in there, they say, why you should play Russian music? I'm Bulgarian, so I play Bulgarian music. Or, uh, I don't know, Macedonia. Why should I play Spanish music, for example? So, in a way, they play their music. They're very strong, very nice, and just one style or two, and that's it. Us in Moldova, you really have to know the Russian music, the Jewish music. Uh, you don't be accepted or you don't go to a wedding if you don't know this. Of course, now times changes, electronics is coming, but still there is... Um, folk in there, the music is still alive, so this is uh, about Moldova. And this music is is still popular in Moldova, is it like play on the radio and and uh, it's everywhere, or is there other uh, music that's coming in now, pop music or rock or things like that? You know, what is interesting thing about there that uh, they're affected by electronics and they don't use it with balance like North Americans. They overuse it and sometimes they lose something in there. But uh, they still kept whatever they did, either techno beat on top or something, they still kept 
dat folk of dat muziek van daar. De captain, dit is goed. In een way, they live with this and the music is there. The songs which they grew 20 years ago and they forgot about this. They bring them in new rhythms like pop, like uh, techno and all these things. So I would say it's pretty much is alive. There is still Madonna in there and Michael Jackson and all these things, but uh, that for later after the party, but during the party or wedding, the folk is still there. Otherwise, they'll kick you out. <laughs> 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 so then tell me uh, about why you leave Moldova and come to Canada and, and how that happened. How that happened? Uh, sometimes in a life... Uh, like happens uh, happens to us like in a joke you know, I took as a joke for example there is people who plan oh, I want to migrate there I want to migrate there and uh, here and there for me what happened um, did you know people here already that not so much I uh, I never knew that I'll arrive in Canada I knew for sure that I have to leave the country because I traveled a bit to some group Moldavian folk dance in Europe And they saw the open mines, and they saw so many things. They said, wow, that is cool. Uh, this was 98. Then I said, I have to go home to finish my college. I finished. Then then I went to conservatory. First year inside my stomach was like, I want to go. I want to go. Then the second year, I want to go. And I used to tell to my friends, I'm going to go one day. And they said, ah, you're kidding. You'll stay here. I'll play this folk. And suddenly... There I came opportunity with dance uh, dancers to come here in Quebec in Drummondville to to play there, and this was the only way to come here and to remain here because usually before 2000 the immigration kind of was much harder than now it's a bit easier, and we came with the dancers and 10 musicians uh, stayed and the dancers came back, and they knew that they they were gonna stay and uh, me I said well I'll play some music and restaurant, I'm going to make some money to help my family, and that's it, and was completely something else. But I'm very happy that happened like this, because uh, back home I would play Bulgarian music, I would play Serbian, I would listen to Turkish music, I would play uh, we knew Klezmer music too, and people they say, well, why you listen to Turkish music, for example, or Bulgarian, you're not Bulgarian, and This close minus um, I couldn't live with this. And even though I didn't understand the words, I love the music. Music is neutral, doesn't have nothing on nobody. And, um, yeah, I found out that this was, like, perfect place. Different communities. I get to meet so many people. I get friends really fast, really quick. And I love different cultures, different music. And that was the place. And uh, finally I got my papers after a few years. I met my wife. Uh, Jessica, which she plays violin, and from there, a lot of things changed in my life, and I have to go ahead and continue this. If not, I stop music, I go on construction, and that's it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so music, <laughs> music, and music, and music, and music. I, I, I'm sort of like I, I wouldn't call myself a librarian, but I would love to carry all the old music before 90s, any kind of style, like Jewish. Gypsy, Roma music, anything, because that was music with passion. And in present day, there is something, but most of it is just McDonald's, I call it. Like, just do it fast. And so uh, I have a lot of old recordings. And here at Kles Canada, I meet a lot of people 
who carry that amount of information and they have to pass to someone because in order society to hear this. And uh, I met so many amazing, this so-called guy, uh, <laughs> for example, I met, as I said, uh, there is so many names in here, I, they are not coming out of my mind, but uh, I'm very happy of all of the people here. And uh, yes, I will be the advocate uh, in Montreal and Canada, North America would love just, just to pass all this information to people and they can do what they want with this. They can do hip hop if they want <laughs> and it's nice music. And in the same time, I respect their music too. I am integrated here very well. I play some jazz with locals. I played even Chinese music I played, which I never, I'm, I used to make jokes and finally I played and there is not a joke anymore <laughs> so now I don't know or what... a, a, as, as we say in North America be careful what you wish for well yes <laughs> I made so many jokes and finally I, I did it and now I don't know what else it's left in there what uh, so much adventure and experience it's waiting in there there is a lot of people a lot of musicians from whom I come to to learn is just uh, I'll have to work with grants and all these things with the help of friends and people just to go and to collect all this and to pass the information. So um, what, what do you like most uh, about this week in, in Class Canada? I That is such a fantastic question because I don't feel that I'm in Canada, you know. I'm sorry, Canada is a nice place, North America is a nice place, but I just don't feel that I'm here. They welcome immigrants everywhere, in Quebec, in Canada. Um, Montreal is pretty busy with musicians and all this, but politeness somehow disappeared. Uh, I don't know how this happened. And I was, like, shocked when I arrived here. So much politeness from, from any corner, left and right, and they said... Do, do, do these people they really mean this and yeah they they mean they're nice people and uh, i found that they think like me like they like like from there or we have something uh, something big to share in common and uh, music unites all of us and friends and people and uh, i just and this week for me seems so long i don't know why but usually for three four days they just fly and here like 10, 15 things in the same day happening. I would love to give them an idea if they could stretch a bit longer or <laughs> could put, I don't know, maybe twice a year because 10, 15 things in the same hour, it's dangerous because people, they want to there and there. and uh, But yeah, it's. I would like to thank them, all the organizers of this festival that they, they have this and it's such a great thing. It's so different from another communities, like the way... Uh, is organized and the way is all fought together like very well i was impressed and uh, i definitely go to montreal I'm, I'm boosted and i go there and this makes me to make more um klezmer projects for example i know a lot of musicians this wakes up something inside me maybe with this so-called guy <laughs> so cold <laughs> and maybe with me together and with the jason yeah. we did some projects with the uh, with Jason Rosenblatt on uh, harmonica and uh, a lot of musicians and some of them they live in states and hopefully we're gonna work with me to go there to visit them to see them and to do some projects there. For example, I met Eric from Ashkenaz Festival, yes. which I'm happy. Yeah. And uh, who knows? I'm very happy that I met all these people and uh, they understand what is the real raw material and uh, I appreciate this very much. 
because we need an audience. The the pay of a musician is not all the time money. Unfortunately, it's money because they have to pay their rent, but yeah, yeah. it's just the society or the audience that they understand what musician plays. This is the biggest pay and pleasure on the planet. Is it everybody? Because we were going on the on the bus from from the city, yes. and I was there. You walk up with your accordion. I say hello, and it right away we get friendly, right? Yeah, I, I guess uh, from small age I, I de- dealt with so many characters. Sometimes <laughs> I think if I don't get with someone along, either I'm crazy or uh, something doesn't work. I don't know. But you can't get along with anybody on the planet. But the most of the people I get along very, very well, and they might have different character or hard or me or. But till the end we get along, and I'm from small age. I used to play weddings from seven, eight years old, and I met doctors, I met bandits, I met uh, crookers, I met uh, uh, teachers, I met lawyers, I met any almost anyone I seen in my eyes from those weddings. And uh, you get to meet different characters, and, and after a while, I I would teach maybe in a university uh, the practical uh, psychology. Uh, I don't know so much theoretic material, but practical I would because this is an experience of the life. I'm not so old to speak like this, but it's an experience. So I have to ask you if Jessica would tell me a little bit too because uh, I want to hear about the, your violin, about your your uh, your family in, in Montreal. Ah, you want to have my side of the story. Uh, we need the There's counterpoint. Uh, yes, yeah. To every story, isn't there? <laughs> okay, well, um, I was lucky enough to meet Sergio. It just it was one of those uh, fate things, I think, because I happened to be at a moment in my life where I was starting to get interested in learning more about my own musical roots. I had been classically trained at the end of uh, end of my high school. I kind of rebelled, and I, I was kind of in a strict uh, strict musical regime, and uh, it was a little much for me. So I took a break from music, and then I came back to it on my own terms, and I got into Celtic music, which is a lot more prevalent in Montreal. It's easier to find. And I started going to jam sessions and stuff, and got really into it for about a good ten years. Actually, I was I got uh, very specialized in that, and I just when I thought I would never get tired of that, I started to get interested in in uh, East European music. So I, I tracked down this violinist, who's a great Romanian gypsy violinist. His name is Carmen Picuvata. And um, I took a couple of lessons from him, and it just so happened at that time, Sergio had arrived, and the community being as small as it is, word got around pretty fast, and he needed a good accompanist. And Sergio's still, I think, probably one of the only guys in, in Montreal who can who can accompany him properly. So he was he was anxious to. Uh, <laughs> to keep him around and and Sergio's immigration things were not going so well in other words he would have most likely been sent back to Moldova so 
I guess he knew in the back of his mind, Carmen, the violinist, knew that uh, he had to find some solution to this. And I guess uh, I came to mind. <laughs> so that's kind of what happened. He stuck us together, set us up, and it just, it worked. It worked out. Yeah, the one in a million uh, setups that actually worked. <laughs> That's because the musician set it up, not not somebody from the family, right? I guess that probably helped, yeah. But what's your family background? Well, I come from a family of Hungarian Jews, and um, I was brought up in a totally secular uh, upbringing, so I've never really been part of either the Jewish or the Hungarian community. And I never really wondered, you know, being a kid, uh, didn't really think too much about those things until a certain age. And uh, it really started to kind of occur to me that it's a little bit strange that I neither speak Hungarian nor Yiddish or I don't fit in here or there. And why is that? So, uh, you know, as I started to scratch the surface and, and, and talk more to my parents about this and kind of try to understand more why they weren't connected to the Hungarian community, as as I was getting interested in the folk music, that's kind of what brought right. it all together for me because... <clears throat> I started to realize that there really is a Hungarian community and there are young people who are speaking Hungarian. And uh, all of the thing is that the, the community is all centered around the church. So I started to get the picture that, you know, my parents didn't really feel welcome there and fit into that hole because it seems to be, you know, inseparable from, uh, from the Catholic religion the culture, you know, the kids that they go to scouts and they all speak Hungarian, but at the same time, there's, you know, there's the whole religious aspect to it, but also the bad memories that went along with it. And that, you know, their experiences back in, uh, during the war, when uh, as much as they tried to fit in and assimilate, uh, Hungarian Jews apparently were quite famous for that. Uh, they, they really integrated well except that when it when it push came to shove and uh and uh you know the nazis came in uh to hungary the you know the, the hungarians were more than happy to oblige mm -hmm. in pointing out who's who and who's not who as sergio <laughs> likes to say so that, that was an important lesson for me to understand from them that uh you know it may be just under the surface you may think everything is okay you might think that you fit in, but you don't, and you're still different. And I'm, that's really been an important thing for me to work through in the last uh, couple of years, is embracing that difference and what is that difference. Mm -hmm. And I should just, you know, accept that and sure. get back to being different. So what, what's uh, your experience for Class Canada? Have you, have you been here before and uh, what I, I know Sergio thinks of it. What, what it's your um, experience? It's it's really eye opening for me. This is my first time here as well. So for the both of us, we really didn't know what to expect coming in, and it was a little bit, actually a little bit uh, scary. I think for both of us, for me, one would think, well, you know, I'm Jewish. You know, what's the, what's the big deal? But I've, as I said, I never really was part of the community and I feel like I missed out on so much 
uh, growing up, I was being the thing is I don't speak Yiddish. I never went to synagogue. I, I I don't know much about you know what you're supposed to do on the holidays. I've never celebrated Shabbat. Uh, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, you know. So I, I'm like a Jew, but I'm not. So um, I I was kind of seeking reassurance that indeed you know we're going to come here and it's we're not going to be kind of. Outsiders, because <laughs> we kind of have enough of that already in our yeah. in our everyday life, and and I've just been so blown away by how it's it's the opposite. We're really we really both feel welcome, and it's it's an environment where we can uh, learn. I mean, we've just been absorbing so much information, but besides that, just <clears throat> a warmth here that is indescribable. It's it's really refreshing. And I feel like we've charged our batteries. So you, so you <laughs> said it well. We go back uh, feeling like, well, you know, maybe maybe we we do belong to something on a deeper level than uh, than what we realized. Yeah. Plus, it it's so good to have you guys that live so close by here. You know, you mix with people from all around the world that you know make extra effort to come here. And and to have you, uh, you know, locally, it, it's it's be good to be able to because now you can take this back to you just down the road and and take this experience. That's it. Like you, you, you look and see, wow, these people came from so far away. And now you know we see why why it is this good reason. Now. So, like he yeah. says, it's like you're not part of any particular country when you're here it's just a like a little self-contained global community huh yeah it's a nice disconnected like it's a, it's a disconnected place as i said it's on canadian territory but this camp like the minute you step outside it's another place and here is something else i don't know what name you could put or you could describe but i, I call it shangri-la kind of like jewish shangri-la huh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm getting now my life toy for what I'm, now I'll go back to Montreal with a lot of uh, Yiddish words. Uh, I'm happy about this. I tried to learn uh, also Hebrew with some of the waiters there and it's coming. Yeah. And speaking about this uh, place, uh, the founders and people who participate to keep this festival, they did amazing job and in general everybody's help because not only the founders but all together the support of each other it's it's a great thing here i wish another community to take example from here it would be like perfect <laughs> <laughs> okay well i i think i've taken enough of your time for for today but uh um so nice to be able to actually sit down and with both of you and 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 talk so it's it's very great sergio and jessica um thanks so much for for uh taking a few minutes for Clubber podcast
Suprême Clem de Watchakla en direct de Marseille, vous écoutez klesmerpodcast.com. Ok, I'm back. Thanks to Sergio Popa and Jessica Gall for being on the podcast and for playing such wonderful music for us. If you'd like more information about them, 
check out their website at sergiopopa.com. That's S-E-R-G-I-U-P-O-P-A.com. So that's about it for Klezmer Podcast 61. Again, the website is klezmerpodcast.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you have a band that would like to appear or have your music played on the podcast, or if you have a recent or soon-to-be-released album you'd like me to review, please write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. And I invite you to check out my pages on Facebook, MySpace, and last.fm at username Klezmer Podcast. So thanks for listening. Please stay subscribed, tell your friends, and until next time, bye for now.